You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Bashera. In studio, we have Kevin Barry. Welcome, Kevin. Great to be here. I'm Kevin Barry. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. Thanks for coming. Just, uh, yeah. So I, I was saying, um, uh, we're going to do a movie tonight that I've been waiting probably the entire duration of the podcast to do. So I'm super excited that you picked this movie. So tell us what you picked and a little bit why you picked it. Well, I picked Blade Runner because I knew that uh, it was basically the movie that you were thinking of when you started this podcast. Yeah. Um, I you, you just told me that, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, now, you, you said Blade Runner, and then I didn't yeah. say... I didn't, like, whisper in your ear, but, like, you did say Blade Runner, and then I was like, oh, good. It took... You know what? It's weird because it took some digging for me to get to Blade Runner because I was just telling Alex that mm-hmm. he was like, how do you know... Uh, Peter, have you guys met? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, we were hanging out at the back of the Grizzly Pear. It was something, and we started yeah. talking about podcasts and life. And then you were explaining your podcast, and, and I understood it as 80s action movies. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a particular niche. Like, I'd have to, like – I've went through a period where I watched a ton of movies. I mean, I still watch a lot of movies, but I watched yeah. a ton of movies. Like, I thought – I. I made a feature documentary before I got into comedy, and I, um, oh, wow. I was that, – that was why I came to New York. I was like, I want to make movies. Mm. Um, but um, it's a really long answer to your question. <laughs> <It's> all right. <laughs> it's fine. We enjoy this. So, so what happened was yeah. I was thinking of the uh, kind of – maybe it was like the inner film snobs answer inside me, which was oh, Sorcerer, mm. a movie by William Friedkin – that not everybody knows about. Yeah, I had never heard of it yeah, when you were most, telling me about Most it. people haven't heard about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I was actually, I, I don't know what it was, but I stumbled upon, I read something about it recently, uh, maybe in preparation for this, I was just looking around at it, and I was like, uh, they, someone was describing it as, um, as like the, the heaven's gate that everyone forgot, mm. um, because there was a, a way in which it was this like really big budget action movie mm. that was shot in South America, about truck drivers transporting nitroglycerin for like yeah. mining purposes oh, wow. over treacherous terrain, like mm. driving trucks over rickety wooden bridges Jesus. above the Amazon, uh, above the um, Alamo. No, why am I saying that? The Andes, the Amazon, just the river. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll and and yeah, up yeah. mountains. And wait, long story short, yeah. I look. I'm looking at it, and it's like a made in 1977, and I'm like. Damn, uh, it's got to be. I, I want to find something in the eighties because I've there's so many freaking movies. Uh, like I, I have lists and lists of like different genres and and so that's when I started putting stuff down and and even it was down on the list. I, I finally landed on Blade Runner and I was like, I'm sure that they've covered it. I mean, there's no way <laughs> yeah. that this is like because a lot of the ones I, I was thinking of that would be like kind of out of left field. Like one of I, I, one that I wasn't seeing on, on the on your list. Was uh, was Princess Bride? That was on some other <laughs> list that I had. I was like, they haven't talked about that. That's like a cross genre picture, and then yeah. it came out, yeah, yeah. literally, like, literally, yeah. like right as I was looking at yeah, it, I was like, like okay, ago. cross yeah. that off. Uh, the other one was Terminator. 
Right. I was just shocked that you guys hadn't Well, that's done it. after Blade Runner Terminator is the other big one. That I like that we haven't done all of the, the big ones yet because it gives us, like, we've done a year of episodes. We have, like, in the 50s, right? This yeah, is like it's like 50, 58 or 59, yeah. Yeah, and I like that there's still, like, such obvious movies that people are always telling us, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? I respect it's that. It's good. It, 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 well, yeah. it also, some of the episodes we released in the beginning um, get less downloads than the ones that we've been releasing. So it's uh, like, it would be a shame if our Terminator episode didn't, like, get good yeah. traction. Right. And also, like, yeah. is, is, and, like, when we, when we met and we started talking about movies, I could tell, like, you, you and I are on a similar wavelength with movies. And so I want... I didn't want to just do Blade when I were with just anybody. Like right, I wanted to, like I wanted to do it comedian. justice, you know. Yeah. And yeah, like it would be cool to do Sorcerer because it's obscure, it's an interesting story, and yeah. it kind of derailed William Freakin's career. But people don't even remember who William Freakin is. Uh, but like, sadly. But yeah, but it's it that's that's an interesting story. But like Blade Runner is something that again, like I it was like once you, once you said that you this was a movie that you'd want to do, I was like let's let's dive right in. And I'm glad because I think I sent you a long list of a bunch of I have I realized for myself I have a list of movies that I want to talk to somebody about that no one else wants to talk <laughs> it, about. Well, it's funny when like when people Start a like podcast. it's funny like when people are like, on on wavelengths because like a movie will come up like Marcus who uh, we just did an episode with Marcus Pin yes and he, which was released uh, today on. Okay. Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, that's another amazing. And he, that was great. he yeah. made some joke on Twitter today about Blade Runner. And I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're recording that episode tonight. So it was like just like on the nice. wavelength of just like random shit, you know, yeah. which, is fu- which is fun. So, I mean, th- obviously, I, would, I assume you have some history with this movie. So I'd be curious to your take because I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. Yeah, I think I, I would hope that we all do. Have, have you, you've, you have thoughts as well, Alex. I'm assuming. Oh yes, I, but this might be a sit back and listen to Peter episode. I'm trying to feel it out. We'll see. <laughs> we got guests than Peter. I know you guys have a lot to say. Uh, <laughs> okay. I have less experience with this movie. I've, I've watched. I've seen it. This is one of the rare. Oh, you, you know, had seen I it. had seen Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, uh, but only uh, within the last three years for the first time. Wow. Okay. And I had seen uh, the sequel first, actually. That, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, the Ryan Gosling. One. Uh, like in it, I just thought about this, but like in an alternate universe, like you, you could be like Neo in the Matrix. Like you, you, Alex. Like your your <laughs> life. I could see you like being yeah. holed up in your apartment and just like hacking, oh yeah, just hacking. Very so, much. So in Matrix is kind of in line with this like noir punk, like yes, cyber cyberpunk. noir. Yeah, I mean this guy. And I was researching. I'll say this uh, as, as a few things that I do, I do take away from this. So it's hard f- for like someone born in the early nineties. To understand, like, and truly empathize, or you know, I guess empathize with the uh, the impact that a movie like Blade Runner has, and I guess not right at launch because it didn't do super well no. at launch, but soon thereafter it had its impact, or, or like it seemed like from what I've researched. Either way, point being, like, the whole cyberpunk kind of like aesthetic was pretty much created in this movie, yeah. and, and I think a lot of films yeah. and, and even music and culture in general took took from that from this movie that's true and and we're inspired by it so like i think that like it's hard i try to watch this i'm kind of glad i saw it in the 2010s because like for the first time because i, I could understand its impact before even stepping into the film you right, know, as opposed right. to being hit over the head in theaters with like a theatrical trailer which i i heard this was one of the issues they they advertise it as heavy action and like it, it didn't sort of deliver. Well, just on like, that just to level. kind of just it to set doesn't. it up a little bit. Yeah. So it's eighty two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott is is an unknown director. Well, he had just done Alien. He did Alien. So that was but actually even huge. Still, uh, 
like an alien was seventy nine. He was um, known like being like kind of an artsy. Like he had been like made commercials, and he still I think to this day he continues to like make a fortune doing commercials. I think his production company. But does. um, Harrison Harrison yeah. Ford is coming off two Star Wars two Star right. Wars movies, yeah, and uh, and an Indiana Jones. And so, like, he's, like, like Harrison Ford's star is Ascendant. But this is also, like, the turning point, like, in the early 80s when things started to get more sunny and more positive. This is a very right. dark – literally the entire movie is shot in the dark. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it came out the same weekend as E.T. And yeah. E.T. was just such a phenomenon. E.T. killed this movie and The Thing, two movies that really? I think are all-time classics that just got completely overshadowed. What, John Carpenter's The Thing? Yeah. Oh, man. That's I, it's, it was weird because that – also came up today. I was talking. Uh, I, I work in as a video producer, creative director, and the, the guy next to me, he he was deep into uh, special effects when he was like in high school or something. So he was like, I used to watch all these horror films to like pick up on techniques. Not not because I love horror. Yeah. And then the first movie I thought of was The Thing. I was like, dude, have you seen John Carpenter's The Thing? Um, it didn't even occur to me that it that it uh, got wrecked by ET. And also, I, I well, thought I, there was a Star. Wasn't it, when when did uh, I thought a Star Wars movie also came out, or maybe not? Maybe I'm wrong. He did. He did uh, two right before. It was right Star before. Wars was 77, I believe. Empire is 81. Oh wow! Okay. And Jedi, break. I think, was 83. So like mm. this was okay, like so this sandwiched between. between all those movies. Mm. So it was ET. Um, I knew but, something steamrolled. But also, Harrison Ford uh, did not have a good experience making this movie. No. So no. I can imagine that he wasn't behind. He didn't, you know, sell go out and sell this movie like right. he might have otherwise. Um, I'm um, gonna I'm gonna pass this over to you now because I feel like you've earned it, uh-huh. um, and I have to get it off of my possession. Uh, you asked me what my connection is to this movie, and I. Uh, Essentially, when I was a when I was a kid or whatever, when this thing came out, I was a little tyke, yeah. and um, maybe I was a little bit afterwards that I became aware of it. And I remember my buddy, um, uh, my best friend at the time, his he, uh, he was divorced. His dad was like kind of like we'd go to, go to his dad's place and be able to watch stuff right, that like yeah, you couldn't watch at mom's, yes. just like our movies, things with um, titties. Yeah, and um, favorite. And, and I remember him. This is the thing. My intro, like this is the kind of thing I would have loved, like. Everything about the story, it just looked badass, yeah. right? It's like a detective story about these, like, replicants, which at the time I thought was cyborgs or something. Sure. And, um, and f- the futuristic, like, world that they portray just looks – and flying cars. I mean, that stuff, you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, cool back to the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his dad said something really snobby. I think he was just commenting uh, or, or quoting – a current reviewer where he was like, it's really just style over substance. And he said something about that oh, too. God. Just to like destroy. <laughs> a dilettante. When he, like, oh, just like God, a, what a dick. He, yeah. he, was, he was an English professor in college. So uh, I, I think that was this, uh, whatever, nothing against uh, people who teach the English language. But the point is I came into it with that and I kind of was like, we'll see. And then I had a hard time fully. I think I fell asleep during the middle of the movie um, which I did a lot. I have narcolepsy, so I, oh, who sure. knows? Maybe maybe that was happening back then. It has nothing to do with the quality of the movies. Like, um, wow! But I can't blame Ridley Scott for that. Like, no, yeah. no, not at all. But um, I was actually reading an, an interview, or this this. Well, you'll see in a second uh, about Ridley Scott when he was uh, he was invited to watch um, a, a work print that was just discovered. Yeah. in like the late eighties, and he came out. It was in like L.A., and it wasn't. It was just something. It was like a. It was a screening copy that was made. It was never released. Mm. It wasn't a work print. It was like a a, a, um, a tester mm. that they played in like Dallas and some other city. 
And so he's watching this thing, and uh, the guy was like really excited because apparently really hates to like revisit his projects because he's like, once I'm done, I'm out, I'm on the next project. Yeah. And he like he shows up and he fell asleep during the middle of his own movie. Ah. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we should say that we're doing. We all watched the final cut of yes. this movie. So, yeah. So like, so you want to break that down for, for yeah, people? Well, I, I was gonna. Say, I'll say like a couple things. Like the yeah. so this is a movie that I saw. I probably saw it as a as a teenager, but it was a movie that just like that name just kind of lived on, like Blade Runner. You would just hear. <laughs> It's a badass name. I just got to start with that. And it's funny because, like, it takes place in November of 2019, Mm -hmm. right? And we just we just passed just passed it. Um, And I think the 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 influence of the movie and and the ideas of the movie live on more than even the movie itself. So I think a lot of people know Blade Runner without actually having seen Blade Runner. Sure. So it's interesting because I've I mean I've gone back to this movie so many times and I and I love it, but it. It's uh, there's many forms of it. So it was released, yeah, yes. didn't do well. No, I don't even. I don't know if I even have the story straight. I believe that it was released with the narration. Yes, yes, it was. It was. It was the theatrical release had the uh, voiceover. So so Harrison Ford does a does a again. They had they brought him back to do the voiceover. He famously didn't want to do it, yes. and he just kind of he totally like he phones it in, phones it in. But it, it it works in a weird way. I actually like both. I like I like parts about it too. I had um, seen it f- for many years with the with the uh, the voiceover. That's the way we were all introduced to it. And so then later, I think in like oh seven, they finally did another cut called. They did a director's cut. The final which that, cut. Which, well, they did a cut that was not really Scott's cut, even though they implied that it, it was It was sort really of cut. inspired by his main things he, he didn't like about the theatrical yeah. release. But then he actually came on board officially in, like, whatever, And 07. then in 07, they finally did what's, what's called the final cut, which is has a uh, they they had added this like happy ending to it which oh. totally doesn't fit the tone uh, unbelievably the worst example okay. of studio interference funny yeah. funny thing like so this movie was being uh filmed uh in london at the same time as the shining oh, oh so interesting. I didn't the, know that. the the ending scene where they're where their their flying car is like flying through the woods that's actually outtakes from the shinings opening oh my god with the, of the helicopter shot that's yeah. a trip and so also so Ty- Ty- tyrell who's the inventor of the replicants in this movie yeah is the bartender in the shining oh I can't think it's, yeah it's the same it's the same actor so wow. they, they use the same guy what range uh <laughs> i mean he's i mean he's, he's, he's cool in very small parts in both in both those movies he is okay yeah, so I, I have to bestow something upon you now that this is all opened up because uh so i've been obsessed with this movie i didn't know why or like it was a weird thing where it was just always there uh-huh. and um so yeah, eighty two the theatrical comes out. In, uh, t- uh, roughly ten years later, I think it was ninety two or ninety three. They released a director's cut. Mm-hmm. It was after that work print screening had happened, mm-hmm. and and Ridley got back in. He was like, you know what? I'm going to sign off on this thing. I'm going to redistribute this. Um, we'll call it a director's cut. Maybe we can recoup or whatever. Just make something make something out of this because like he liked it so much more than the actual theatrical. Well, he hated the yeah. theatrical. The theatrical release was done against his yes. uh, advice and against yes. his desires. The, the, the adding the narration. Um, adding the the end scene where where they they're flying over the countryside, which is completely um, it's off tone from the entire film. It's which insane. Is a, to which think. Is a pure dystopia. Yeah, I mean the tone of the film, the visual tone, like to my friend's dad's point sure it is style i mean whether you call it style oh, or yeah. substance but it, it is, is an achievement style. of style Absolutely. to a degree that nobody quite had hit before in yeah. terms of like imbuing yes. the mood and and the darkness and and just like the decrepitness mm-hmm. of a future in a movie in a way that's beautiful but also like just gritty as hell yeah and i think he did that in a way and it's like so people fall in love with this world in addition to 
it's like all the characters, there's some value in them that it's hard to pinpoint because yeah. none of them has that much screen time. And, and, and freaking Deckard doesn't have that many lines. You know, there's a lot of like yeah. moodiness, especially when you cut out the, the narration. Mm-hmm. But like for whatever reason, it, it, the movie hooks into you because you're like, I want to go back into that world. Mm-hmm. And to me, it reminds me of, well, there's all this cyberpunk no, um, novels and, and, and books that, that, that came out that spun out, I think, I think after this, like yep. Snow, Snow Crash and um, uh, that's the one that I'm thinking N- of. Neuromancer. Now. Neuromancer, yeah. William Gibson and, and, and William Stevenson uh, or Neil Stevenson, I think. Um, and I read those two, like whatever, when I was more like a teenager and I could better grasp that stuff. And like I – and so, and then the 2007 is the third one that came out. And when I was um, around the time, right before that came out, I was working uh, at this place called the Writers Room, which is like a, it's a top floor of some building near NYU, where all these different like disparate kind of uh, hodgepodge of writers, like screenwriters and people who have contract jobs, and so you can rent an office. Mm. Oh, you know? cool! It was like a big shared office, and one of the guys was we work guy. before we work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but like just for writers, and it was like it rules about being quiet and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, um, there was this guy Michael Berg that I would always like talk to in the in the cafeteria area, and like I was work trying to write the screenplay, and I was I was fucking I was I was busted. I couldn't figure it out. I was like a perfectionist, mm-hmm. and um, and we got talking to Blade Runner. I don't know what it was, and then he was like, "I have something for you," and he gave me this book, which. Now uh, I pass on to you. Oh wow! wow. You're, you're giving it, me this book. Yes. Whoa! Please take it. I, Holy shit! First gift of the podcast. Yeah, Peter's Peter's uh, eyes wide. It's, it's, it's called Future Noir: The Making of Blade Runner. Oh, it dude, is. Like, whoa! Once we started to go down that rabbit hole, dude, it is the thing about this. The work print that was from me, like leafing oh, through man. it and just seeing an interview. It's this dude went I don't know twenty years deep into the history. He he put way more work into that book. Than they did into the movie. Wait, so this, um, wait, you met the yeah. the writer of the book, or no? You were no. just someone else was talking about. I met about him, it. the screenwriter, who, the guy who wrote uh, Ice Age. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Which is kind of crazy, yeah. And and uh, and yeah, he was like, I'm. I also love that movie, and yeah. And then he just gave it to me, and I was like, I need. I know that someday I will give this to somebody else who has earned it. What a moment! Oh, that's amazing, Holy dude. I, like, I, this is my first gift uh, of the podcast. This yeah. is beautiful. This is but, beautiful. It's the time of the season. It's funny because you were as you were speaking, I was thinking like. I've gone over this movie so many times. I know all of the because like the story of how this movie came to be yeah. and its afterlife is as interesting uh, as any like Hollywood movie story ever. But I like it's there's so many details and stories that I forget now. Yeah. And I was so while you were saying that, I was like, I wish I remembered all of the bullet points. Oh my gosh! And then man. like that, I'm sure that all that stuff is in there because even like how the movie came to be. Yes, it has um, everything. But so we, I mean, we should get into a little bit like the nitty gritty. So it was based on a, a Philip K. Dick. Story. Yeah. Do Android. Everybody knows it. People who have no idea what the movie is somehow know this. It's like Do Android's Dream, dream of, of Electric, electric sheep. sheep. So, but a lot of it's that, such an interesting title. Yeah, it but, like, but a, a lot of that. Yeah. So he, Philip K. Dick, I think he died like. He saw like a twenty 82. minutes. He died twenty. Yeah, right like he saw before. twenty minutes of the movie before he, he died. He did see some of the movie, and I think yeah. I think he. It was not a negative review. It was something yeah. like this has never been done on screen before. No, he said this is exactly what I pictured. I think he had some problems with the dialogue, but he, he I would did so. say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you got you have Harrison Ford, who's like an ascendant star. Finally, basically, I think he was about forty by the time this already. It's crazy because his career. I mean, he started in like the sixties, but he had been around for a long time. But he's finally becoming a huge star. You have a bunch of like young, unknown, beautiful women, Sean Young and Daryl Hannah. Yeah, you have Roy Batty, who was like a star in Holland. 
Rucker, Rucker, Rucker Howard, Howard plays yeah. one of the great, he's great, like, villains, one of the best villains of all time, of all time. And you have all these like small actors, but then really, Sky was he was. I mean, he, the commercial world is all about art direction. Yeah. And, and this movie is the best art-directed movie probably of all time. It may well be. I mean, and, and it's, it's, set no, a, it's set a gold they standard. They built models. They had matte paintings. They had to like cut things to get – like the, the stuff that they were able to do with, without any of the technology that we have now. Because, because and you, we, we, we talk about this a lot. It's not just that they were able to pull it off. The world is completely yes. realized and, yeah. and lived in. Yeah. From architecture where they found buildings in L.A. that had been like abandoned and they found older architecture. Right. Because and, and like, one of the ideas of the movie is that the fu- – which is so funny because the, the, the idea of the future as just sort of this hodgepodge where you had like Asian culture and – Western culture yeah. mishmash. Yeah. You had all this new technology with all this decrepit stuff. I mean, it, you could argue it almost looks like parts of Tokyo. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be a little, today, little I mean, Shanghai. It's no, but like the, act, the like 2019 Tokyo. And, yeah, and, and, and not exactly. And Tokyo is beautiful. And I'm not saying anything. Yeah, but some of the lighting, some of the billboard choices, oh, yeah. just the things—they're very Tokyo. He took a page. Oh yeah. And certainly. so the screenwriter, like the the script had been kicked around. This guy Hampton Fancher, who was like this weird like figure in Hollywood, who'd been like a, a TV actor and then started writing. Screen plays he gave it a pass and then then uh, david peoples who went on to write unforgiven which was maybe one of my, yeah, the, one one, of my maybe the most perfect Westerns one of the most of perfect time. screenplays ever yeah came in and added added elements to it and then it was just a kind of a mess and, and I, one of the things i love about the movies is that like art always comes out of these these messes yeah it's like you squeeze this rancid sponge and out of it comes fresh pressed orange juice yeah, i, I don't know funny. how <laughs> Wow, I like that. That was a good metaphor. Thank you. <laughs> but this this movie, like, so I was I watched some of it. The, there's a documentary uh, called Dangerous Days. Yep. And I did not watch the whole thing because it's like four hours. But yeah, I I definitely like watched some of that when I, as I was leafing through that book. And I was like, because I to be honest, I wasn't familiar as as familiar as you are with with some of the background of the people involved. I mean, Hampton Fancher, like I, I didn't know. I was like, who is? He, he, right there he, with you, bud. He reminded me of um of of the guy who wrote Alien, uh, who who I who I love. Oh, um, Dan O'Bannon. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, who who like just like a tireless um defender of the idea of the movie and of like this this notion of the alien, like pulling it from this like insect uh, uh sort of inspiration, you know, mm-hmm. of like and, and I like I loved like I love the passion that he has and how it's like he just doesn't give a crap. The way that Dan O'Bannon was like, I don't care what any studio says. If it's not made this way, it's not made. Having a guy like that, like launching a, a multi-million dollar Hollywood film, I mean, it's just like it would. It just seems like it would never be done now. Well, yeah, I don't think it would. Well, it's funny because like, there, <laughs> but then these movies would never be made without that. It's passion. not an True. accident that this movie was made in '82 because the '70s was all about like Coppola yeah. was handed The Godfather because that was supposed to be a genre film, right. and he was like an artsy guy that. He thought he was paying his dues. Right. So what does he do? He makes like a a great arts artsy film that happens to be a masterpiece that everybody wanted to see. Right. And a lot of these guys, like De Palma, like Mission Impossible is a great fucking movie that Brian De Palma directed, and Untouchables is great. But like he, you, you can't like not see that a very weird, unique artist made those things, even yeah. though they're they're mainstream properties. Right. So you have that in the seventies. All these guys were ascendant, and they all, including William Freakin, fucking does, yeah. you know, 
French Connection and Exorcist, huge, not only great films, but monster, monster hits. Yeah, yeah, so those these guys are gigantic, are, I mean, award-winning. So these like, guys, they break, all the, they break all the rules, they do whatever they want, and then they're handed a bunch of money, and everybody's doing cocaine, and they fucking blow <laughs> it. So the 80s is like the next generation coming in. So Ridley Scott came out of a completely different world. He was an yeah. English fucking... Uh, you know, commercial director. So that right. then, which that's something that come, like David Fincher comes out of commercial world. So now you have these guys who were influenced by the previous generation, but they're much more like technically minded and yes. much more like they really, really Scott. Everything I hear about really Scott is that he's a taskmaster. Yes. Like he famously got in a huge fight with the crew on this film because he said, yep. he's like, I'm used to working with British crews and they just do what I say. Right. And the right. Americans want to, yeah, like, he's notorious for being like a, an authoritarian. Like I think he kicked off like the cinematographer of, of alien and then operated camera. Sounds about right. Which you can do, you can do it in, in the UK, but like you couldn't with the unions. Like that's no. not possible in the US. No, not yeah. Because you see all these fil- pictures of him like walking around with a camera. Like, what is this guy doing? I mean, he got the shots, but it was like he just did it. Yeah. Um, but like, but you have you can't. Here's the thing. This is what I I, th- I heard this reference from. I think Michael Dealey, whoever the producer was, who like got this off the ground. He was like, it's always funny to hear these money guys who are like, someone comes to them with a movie, like this guy Hampton Fancher, he's got nothing, no proven track record, and he's just like, I kind of trust this guy's taste, even though he's never made a film or written a screenplay or whatever. And and, um, he's like, "Eh, I'm not sold on the first pass of the script. And then he goes back and does another one. And he's thinking, well, Star Wars just came out. Like, we can do, you know, Space is the yeah. future. The future's let's space. make another. Let's do sci-fi. You know, yeah. and so he's kind of got that in his head. He's right. like, we're going to do a sci-fi film, and then once Fancher, I think he did a couple revisions, and somehow the it came together, like it clicked. He somehow got the um the, the replicant thing down, um which which is it's all weird to me. Like I was talking to my buddy today about like you know replicants. Like it it even just now has more occurred to me. Like how minimalist this movie is right because like mm. do androids dream of electric sheep mm-hmm. well we as if you're a sci-fi nerd you know what an android is it's like part biological part mechanical yeah you know it's right. bishop and alien it's it's like it's not a full robot it's the terminator right. yeah or sure. it's the ter- terminator sure. he, he's he's an android he, he's he, i mean he's yeah robotic like robotic, a robotic yeah. robotic and human parts melded sure but like replicants aren't that as, no. as best we can tell and but it's so weird i never even questioned that until i just watched it again and i'm like i'm gonna go on a podcast so let's see what replicants are mm. it always just kind of breezed by me and i was like oh i know what replicants are they're like a genetically engineered human that yeah. has a has a a um a, a, like a, a best used by day. like yeah. you could be uh, that you could basically um toy with like for mechanically could, and and start off as a you know fully developed human with memories even if they're fake and implanted in something like CRISPR CRISPR we could select like we could pre-select certain genes and traits like yeah. eye color now and it, and yeah. it, or even if someone is going to likely have down syndrome or something like right. it you gets could, into you those weird ethical engineer this thing too. and then they're used as slaves which right. is like really messed up Right, right. This and is it, like whole this, social commentary for well, the original. Well, this gets into the philo- philosophical argument, and this is what I love about Blade Runner, about you know identity, uh, uh, what what makes you know. I think therefore I am Descartes, like right. all that stuff what makes you human. Yeah, and it's probably the most unanswerable question of all time, yeah. really, because we're humans. We're bi- like, of course, we have our perspective. But but the point is, is that if 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 uh, AI gets to a level, and it, it will, based on the way it's going. Uh, if AI gets to a level where we, where we are able to manufacture a you know 
a, a computer with emotions and a backstory. And if we could convince that computer that that it's not a computer, then it become does it become a person because it feels real pain? And like those questions. And this this movie is about empathy, especially like the yeah. tears and the rain line. Like I almost feel like the real, real hero is Roy, even though he is the it's villain. A, absolutely, the I mean, am I yeah, on something? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the movie is about. Um, like what it is to be human. So, so uh, Harrison Ford is Deckard. He's like, I, so there's there's a lot of plot. I throw holes. a lot at you, and there's I'm a, really high. I'm there's sorry. a lot of plot holes. So, like there are. Yeah. Deckard is sort of a retired Blade Runner, who's a guy who hunts and kills these replicants. Yes. Right. So the replicants are fighting off. They're off world, which means they're on another planet because they look too close to being human that it's like dangerous to have them on Earth. It's yeah. a colony. They need slaves so to using like it. mine it or whatever. So there's a rebellion. Yes. So, so they it's wanted to, they wanted to film this, but they didn't have the money for it. So they do a little scroll at the beginning of the movie telling you that a bunch of they, these, these uh, replicants killed a bunch of people yeah. and they snuck back onto Earth. And so now they got to be hunted and killed, which plot hole number one. They're expiring soon. Why not just let them expire? I, I, that's exactly Literally, what I thought. The was movie like, ends just, with the with the bad guy just, dying, just dying anyway. Like, like you could have just waited. The whole thing is just clockwork. It just waited out. The second thing is so Deckard is found by I, I guess people he used to work with, like cops he used to work with, a cop, yeah, and he's brought back to like the chief who's M. Emmett Walsh, who's fucking one of my favorite actors. He nails it in that scene where one he's scene, describing the traits, amazing, where he's like a intelligence or whatever. Yeah. Oh, dude. So he's he was reading them, their traits off like baseball. Cards. He's the bad guy. In Blood yeah. Simple, which is the Cohen's first movie, a couple years, uh, maybe no, maybe right around the same time. Maybe it was like this, a, this is the police captain or whatever. Yeah, the guy who's yes. who's telling Deckard what what the mission is basically. Right. At the okay. Of the movie. <laughs> do, do do you remember? I mean, so so I don't know when you saw the theatrical, the original theatrical one or whatever. I've never seen it. But but uh, but. I I, wa- I watched just the beginning of when it. When Harrison says the N word, yeah, the yeah. When he drops yeah, it. Yeah. If what? you want to see Harrison Ford uh, yeah. say the N word, oh, I thought you were joking. No, no, so he, he does. says he calls them skin jobs. Yeah, skin jobs. In, in the, in That's so, the and, slang. Oh, and, Her- and Harrison the... Ford's voiceover is like, it, again, and some of the voiceover is like, it's like we get it. Like you really yeah. needed to like tell. Like he's like, yeah, and he said that word. Like he was saying the, but he said he, but says he says the actual it? word. Oh, yeah. you never no, say he, it. He goes, no, no. He goes, he goes. This is this is where the the. The VO just lost me. There's a couple of lines in the very yeah, beginning. That, wait, first that of all, that's horrible. That that VO line because it's basically like addressing the audience. Yeah, like, yeah. What do you oh, mean? No, he's not supposed that. to. It's yeah. worse than that. He's not supposed to know it's, the co- modern colloquialism. It's worse than that because it's like you can tell it wasn't written by Peoples or it doesn't feel like it was by by Peoples or, or, no or Hampton. It was like some studio executive went in and was like, "We got to put this in. No one's going to get this movie." And he goes, "The line the N-word is, sells tickets, guys. Yeah. Put it in there." No, it's but like, they're like, "We need to make this edgy." And then they, are you he goes, "Serious?" Yeah. He, no, he goes, "He goes." Oh, uh, God, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm. I'm. I don't know what the hell they're thinking, but this is what it feels like because he goes, "No, no, no." He goes, "He was the kind of police chief." Yet back in whatever, you know, whatever, 50 years ago would have dropped the N, you know, would have called black people the N word. He says something like that where he's like, he's the kind of cop that in the 1980s would have called black people the N word. It's like, are you serious? You're just pandering. He's literally just Uh, saying that line directly to us uh, in 1982. That is not just the worst. It's almost like it's like a fourth wall break that's meant for almost like a joke that's it's garbage awful. it's garbage well, so, so one, is, it's so insulting the only, what the only thing the i like about the voiceover i'm going to say this because because you mentioned that you're like i like look the, the one the, the fact that it harkens back 
to the the film noirs of of the yeah. whatever 1940s 1930s like that part of it i mean some of those film noirs are oh, that's, fantastic that's interesting you know and and they're dark and it's like it's a guy who's who's looking back they're always about regret yeah and you know, about so, looking so, back so one thing they realized as they were making this movie is that is that decker's supposed to be a detective but he wasn't doing any detecting yeah. so then they so they <laughs> yeah. looked at they looked at basically the structure of like like 40s um detective films yeah so there's often the voiceover there's the femme fatale you got the uh you know the detective who the private who's, eye who's, usually he's not yeah, even a real cop like he's private like in, in over right. his head up yeah. against forces that he doesn't really understand there's even a scene like there's a scene in the big sleep with humphrey rogart where he pretends to be somebody else with a funny voice and right. literally decker does exactly that thing in the movie when he's trying to uh, catch one of the replicants right, so like right. they, they they there was there was thinking like oh let's make this the safest way to do this th- these this strange story is to put it in the frame of something that's more familiar for right. people. And, and apparently, apparently, the original uh, do, do Androids Dream of, of, of Electric uh, Sheep was um, the guy was a was a bounty hunter. He wasn't a cop. He yeah. was like like a bounty hunter you would have now. Well, that's just more hired, what the job is, which yeah. is which is what the job is. And so yeah. they they were just it was Fakakta from the beginning. And and this is my Whoa, thing. Uh, new word for Alex. You don't Lillard. know Fakakta? Nope. Oh, too I, 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 dude, the last three episodes, I think I've done this. This is going <laughs> to be a new word. bit. It's Fakakta. That sounds like he just made it up three seconds ago. No, it's a thing. We're all living it's in Yiddish. a simulation. There's no way that word's right. It's slang. Yiddish. It's 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 Yiddish. Are, oh, are you, uh, are you Jewish? Um. I, I am, but it's not even from that. Like I work around a bunch of guys that speak Yiddish, so I um. Well, I, they don't say fakakta uh, a lot. I think I learned that from like a Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I I I lived in college with um uh with two like Orthodox raised J- Jewish people. Like yeah. not not uh, people conflate Orthodox and Hasidic. Hasidic is not. The same. It's not the same thing. I think that's a West Coast thing. But people Maybe. people always think I'm saying anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, yeah I've never heard fakakta. So what does it mean? Uh, it's like mashugana. It's like just mashugana. it's like fucked. Just messed up. Fucked. Oh, okay. Just got it. Screwed. Got it. Yeah. It, it, it's marked. You marked. marked it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's uh, yeah. That's more of a I don't think it's a, it's not an actual word. Yeah. <laughs> marked is in rap songs, and yeah, yeah, it's something that I used to say in college with my Jewish friends. I mean, ba- bounty hunter would have worked, but there was no f- genre framework for for a movie like that. You yes. can't yeah. be like, yeah, yeah he was a bounty hunter, a cyber <laughs> bounty hunter. Yeah, you know? it just doesn't. It's a little bit like a little bit western, but like. Yeah, it, it's so – again, it's, it, it's, all this stuff was like accidents and all this stuff was yeah. like people fighting and yet still I think maybe because I saw it as a, when I was young with, yeah. with the voiceover, it helped me along so that later I matured enough that I could watch it without the voiceover and be like, oh, I, sh-, I, I basically was taken off the training and wheels. And realize it's better without yeah, the voiceover. Yeah, but the training yeah. wheels helped for a little for while. A, for a kid, sure. It, yeah. it helps yeah. for an adult too because that, that okay. first – like. Okay, so you've got a movie that is perhaps the best visual direction or, or production design that people had ever seen at that point. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's mind-blowingly It sets up yeah, a, a mark for, for the, like the, the gold standard, um, for physical effects at least. Yeah. And then uh, it opens with the, just a huge page of text. Right, they're just like okay, but first we got to start with a bunch of words, yeah. and they, they even like put replicant in like bright red. Yep. And then when the movie starts, you're like, okay, what the hell? And he's like, I'm a Blade Runner. You know, I capture these like replicants. He yeah. just basically repeats his thing. He's like, I'm a retired Blade. He's just he's just reminding you of who he is, and it's really helpful in the very beginning because you're like, oh, that's who that guy is. Like, there's no question mark. Yeah. Of who the hell the dude is? Because otherwise, without the vo- VO, you're just you're just 
slow, long shot of this guy reading a newspaper in the like you yeah. know under the awning in the rain, and he's waiting to get a seat at a sushi bar. And you're just like, I don't know what the hell's going on now. Yeah. This world is not like anything I've ever seen. Yeah. This dude, there's just zero things that are orienting you. Unlike in like Star Wars or something, they ground you in some emotional reality or like a family relationship. And it's just, just sure, like a sure, guy. Sure. Like yeah. So in that sense, it yeah. does hook you in. But then if you start to listen to what he's actually saying and like the, the stilted you know fakakta yeah. like like uh breaking the fourth wall and this stuff of them trying to kind of like we're gonna hook you into this Ugh. dystopian reality what, the, what, what this movie does it's really interesting is yeah. that it immediately gets you into the most complicated aspects of the story yeah. Yeah. so you start with the void comp test which is a test where they figure out whether or not you're a human or it's a, a beautiful that's so that beautiful. opening scene with the guy leon whose name i'll, I'll look up he he's an actor who actually died very very young 99 uh what's, i can't I think of his real name right now but sucks I can't but uh he's a giant like scary guy who was in a lot of like 80s and 70s movies he crushes it in the opening scene too you know so so then then harrison like harrison ford's like well we gotta he's gotta go to the terrell corporation so terrell is the guy who invented the replicants and he's he's gonna immediately do the test on this woman that lives with terrell who's sean young who's that scene – so we should say Jordan Krenowitz is the guy who did the cinematography of this movie. I think he died very shortly after this too. Like he had oh, Parkinson's sucks. really badly. Jeez. One of the most I, – I think personally the shot of Sean Young when she's taking the test and you see the red in the eyes mm. is the greatest shot in the history of the movies. I think that's the most beautiful oh, – wow. huh. I, I've, I've thought it about is, it a it lot. It is a great shot. It's the, I think it's the, the greatest – like that's what there's the so movies – There's so much intent. That's what the movies are made for. You're like it's telling you a story. It's revealing information without really yes. telling you why. It, without hitting you over the head. You have no idea what's really going on. And then yeah. you also just – you have this stunningly beautiful woman, which mm-hmm. is a lot of what the movies are about too. Uh and you know, I mean, like that's that, who, I forget the the line is like, all you need for a movie is a gun and a girl. So this okay. is a movie about a guy with a gun chasing bad guys and try, you're trying a gay to get dude. trying to get the beautiful girl. Yeah, well, unless you're I mean, a gay dude, that's true. A gun and a twink or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, that's a different genre <laughs> yeah. of film. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like that, like to me, that's that <laughs> image is spectacular and. And it's you. You don't really know what's going on. Like uh-huh. you have no idea what the fuck is going on. But it, but at the same time, you're getting pulled into this world. Okay. Yeah. So so you you make a really okay. So the actual actual beginning of the movie, right? Is is that mm-hmm. you're? It's so weird, dude. Like I've after watching the different cuts. I feel like I've seen shots, and even watching the documentary, I feel like there's a shot. So, the, so it's like it, you're you're like flying through this dystopian world. There's like fire belching, which, out is, a, of, which is a model, actual model that they had to build. It's a model. Have, no you, have you seen the model? Yeah, yeah. So, so they, the model, <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> I saw it. I, I mean, I, I it was a, it was a big day. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting to see it. I went to the museum of, of moving image to see some Jim Henson thing. I well, used to live down the street from there. Yeah. Oh, oh right. nerd! I was, alert. I, was a, I had a, I had Christ. an annual. Yeah. Membership. Oh, oh yeah, of yeah. course you did. I did not. But <laughs> on on like your exit, they're like, oh, we're going to steer you through this like hodgepodge of of different movie uh, paraphernalia, and one of them was one of these uh, pyramids or like ziggurat sort of things that they have in the in, in the film. Is that that like gigantic? You know, um, it's it's. I think it's like it's either Tyrell Corporation. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Tar- yeah, yeah. And it's like you, when you see the scale model of it or whatever, it's, you're just like, oh my god, that's how they did like. 
this is insane. They the literally vision. like move the camera closer to the model. Do you know? What I mean? Like it, right, right. Something, like that's unreal that my, it looks that good. It looks well, so good. So like, and, and I like Stanley Kubrick. This is one of my I, I've talked about this before, but there's an interview on on that you can find on YouTube where he's early in his career, and he says he goes. Being a movie director is all about problem solving. He goes, mm-hmm. I, he goes. If you develop a capacity to problem solve, you can do it in, no matter what you're doing on. So he taught himself how to make movies. Right. So these guys, like, they had to figure this shit out. Yeah, yeah. And the good thing about being like, like, my take on Ridley Scott is Alien and Blade Runner are two of my favorite movies of all time. Same. Uh, Blade Runner is in the top five, and Alien's not that far behind. And I could pretty much throw away the rest of Ridley Scott's filmography. <laughs> there's a couple. I'm there's a couple, to there's a couple of directors that I, that I, that's true for me. Like where like. They literally two of their films are my favorite movies of all time, and I don't care about any of their other movies. No, I'm not saying they're bad movies. I'm just saying they I don't care about them. But Ridley Scott is a is a technician first. The yeah. guy knows how to. And when you're like a commercial director, you go in there, you have a budget, you have a time limit, you get in, and you get the fucking work done. Yeah, you're not you're not sitting around talking about how you feel as an artist. But you're you're also trying to push the envelope of what the visual. Um, expectations are of your audience because with commercials you have to hook them with the next thing yeah you know it's like like this stuff from from pixar and all that like it was it was probably i mean i don't know 100 percent, but i'm pretty sure that they first designed that for for commercials you know or, or that's where you first really exploit 3d animation or you're pushing yeah it's like this realm where you can make a 30 second version of something and then you go and say okay let's make a two hour version of that and it's about and it's about it's using visual language to 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 elicit feelings in people. It's not yes. It's and that's why to me like it, movies are not supposed to be dialogue heavy. Movies are to me are about imagery and mood and music and montage. Like, but you're because you want to live in as like this world that's created in Blade Runner is not a pleasant world. No, it's not. And yet you want you want to reach you out. Spend and, time in you want to reach out and touch it. Yeah, it seems. And it's so weird because, like, like we laugh. It's like you know, November twenty nineteenth just passed. Yeah. We have no replicants. We have no flying cars. Yeah, uh, we have, what, we have the Impossible Burger. The movie. Uh, we yeah. have some genetically modified. The movie food. couldn't could not predict uh, digital technology and or the fact that we wouldn't be carrying around photographs uh, anymore, which is fun. It's a big plot point. Is cell that, phones totally out? Yeah. They're, they're actually using. There's pay phones. Uh, yeah, with well, rotary. It, 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 you, you have to give them credit. It is basically Skype. In a it's a, vi- a video phone. Yeah, but like, so there's a lot of stuff that they couldn't predict but like as far as like the 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 detachment and like the feelings of alienation and people like i mean dude when when harrison ford just like goes up into his apartment Mm -hmm. it's like it like weighs on your bone like you could feel the loneliness and the sadness it is a sad like sort of Every, He's a very sad character. It's a throughout. It, it's like a prefabricated, mold created apartment. And so yeah. that's why, like, so this. What's interesting is, so his job is to he he immediately kills one of the replicants. Yeah, uh, is it Uhura? She was. Uh, I think it's Zora. Oh, Zora. Zora. So she's doing this thing. So, so an interesting thing that I learned today is uh, he makes comments, a few comments about basic pleasure model. Sorry, it was about animals being fake or real, and so the animals are also replicants. Yeah, yeah. What's in the novel is that uh, Deckard actually takes the job because he wants to buy a real animal. Right, right. Because, 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 like, okay. So yeah, in in the novel there was a some sort of. nuclear war sort of thing it was like world war terminus and um and this radioactive dust came down and just basically killed most of the living things and so i think in in the novel the idea was that like they they use this replicant technology to like create 
recreate life and and it just couldn't last like they they could make a bird that lived for four years and like that was it yeah you know and, and i like here's the thing what i love about like why this it's one of the things that makes this movie work and i don't know why it is exactly but it just does is that it is um so it's basically a minimalist film which is to me the hardest thing to do right because there's not a lot of dialogue there's a lot of imagery and then there's some action and yeah. that's why people complain about it's like it's so damn slow there's so much mood right you know there's things happening but it's like internal things and in, in a way it could have been a play it's a lot of like two person scenes in in a room and that's what it's just the, the background that was the original changes. script the original yeah. script by hampton fancher was literally I, they were they were pitching it as like it's it's a it's it's a story in a room the whole thing was like interviews in a room and you get that feeling with that the void comp test and like these interactions with, that are interspersed with, yeah. And I mean, to to be fair, like he's thinking that way. In my mind, he was thinking that way because, like, I don't think his his vision vision for the budget and everything was not like what a Ridley Scott was thinking. Like, he didn't know who was going to be attached to it right. when he was pitching it. And you he was can't like, blame him for that. He was like, Michael Dealey, just let me make my first movie for like yeah. a million, like or whatever it was sure. in, in the eighties, and like. It, so so he didn't fathom that he just liked the idea and what he liked was this is a laddering off your thing peter about the um the fact that he wanted to buy an animal which is like that's actually a great motivation like yeah it would have been so awesome if deckard i mean if he had had a desire that was clear like that yeah it would have just driven this movie in such a different direction like yeah it could still all have worked too and it would have given it like a heart mm. but like it's like a reverse john wick yeah, he's gonna kill people so he can oh, get a so, so he can get a dog. So can get a dog. <laughs> that's really fucking close. Is it right? And yeah. like, shit. I, there's. I'm telling you, that's what I'm saying. It's like you're getting down to like the archetypal storytelling stuff where it's like it, it would have worked. And like, and but the whole the whole mood, the whole um um like all the conflict in that novel of like the world has been destroyed, nature is gone. We're we're, we're living in this polluted world, so the replicants are doing the work out there for us in a way yeah. like it's not safe to yeah. go out, yeah. you know. And it's like that is what spoke to Hampton Fancher, and I think it also spoke to the producer. He was like, "Yeah, we're we're at like in, in like the late seventies, early eighties. They were talking about population. Uh, I think." Overpopulation and also like yeah. zero population it's like growth, ticking time bomb, ticking time bomb. Yeah. Uh, they run out of food, the cold run war, out of oil, yeah. right? Cold war, like the nuclear wars is yeah. impending. Like like um, the, the beginnings of the of the whole like um, Earth Day and save you know I mean obviously that was like in the seventies, but like it was just like the world is falling apart. All that stuff is still fears that people have, you yeah. know, and, 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 and like the world is on fire Greta Thunberg is out there on the ocean like we're all yeah. we all know that it's like it's going to going to shit it's just like it's taking time um yeah. this movie was like let's just fast forward and let's let's make the world just a complete garbage pit um, so that's what, and then like what's so interesting is that so Roy Batty is played by Rucker Hauer who's one of like god I, I just watched The Hitcher which he uh oh, did dude, recently that is a, uh, it's got it's the movie's kind of shit but he's fucking yeah, it's, he it's plays a, uh, a hitchhiker film. who's like a homicidal maniac yeah but he's so like electric on screen. Like he's just one of those actors who just yeah. you can't take your eyes off him. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Um, I had this thought today that um, uh, like if you ever watch like when 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 European directors make American movies, there's mm-hmm. something that's always off. It's they they don't get like the sunniness and the goofiness of America. Yeah. Every because Europeans are so fucking brooding. Oh, so yeah. like European actors are great at brooding. American actors are not great and maybe that's what like yeah. as much as i love harrison ford and, and i actually love this performance the thing that's a little bit off of this is yeah. that he's just 
brooding the whole time. And for Americans, yeah. it doesn't quite fit because we always are like we're much more optimistic than our than our European uh, counterparts. Yeah, his like charming rakish uh, turn in in Star Wars as Han Solo is like almost spot on because that's like taking this kind of uh, almost like whatever criminal libertarian American attitude and, and launching it into yeah, and, outer and, space. And kind of a similar character. It could have been a similar character and like kind of like a ne'er-do-well like kind of skirts the the like the, the law a little bit. And, like, and somebody that you hire when you're in a jam to do something that a, you know, a, a law-abiding citizen might a, not necessarily a, want to do. Yeah, he's a, he would be a guy on Trump's team or something. Somebody that, that you would send out to Ukraine. To, I don't know. It, it, like, But the thing is like he's – I don't know why I just went to Trump, but um, we are talking about the end of the world. You definitely angered just like all our compound media fans. It's okay. It's all good. Um, No, no, I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) I mean, I don't really really care about politics. Who cares? It's all fine. The impeachment hasn't happened yet. So um, maybe tomorrow. But by by the time this is done, it'll be it'll be done. But um, yeah, it all doesn't expire. There's no it's like this world is is uh, we're living in a simulation. Yeah, we've been saying this for years. It's possible. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I think it's but like happening. but Roy Batty is is the hopeful he's he just wants and to he has live. A sense of humor. He has yeah. so much more emotion than the, yes. the quote unquote human. Yes. You know, that's so telling about what they're trying to like say it, and the whole message. It's a great yes. and again it's like he's got a, his own little like scheme so he goes to the guy who he creates their eyes, the right. cyborg yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they they basically it's it's interesting like they find they plot their way in so in this world the rich people are living literally on the top of the pyramid yeah right and the poor people are like in the in the streets so he's got to get to the top of the Terrell Corporation where Terrell actually lives to get to Terrell to try to find out if there's a way right. to not exp- to reverse the expiration basically right right so he he finds the the eye guy they kill that's a great scene where they're like literally like in an ice. Like a ice box, yeah. Uh, where they're making some uh, cryo eyes. chamber where yeah. eyes stay preserved longer. And so then they find out that there's a guy, Sebastian, who's the, who he's like a puppet maker. He's like a toy maker. So they he's the one who like models. He's some the, yeah. He's some kind of geneticist. He's like a freelance geneticist. Yeah. Who's William Sanderson? Who's another great like. There's all these like actors that just would go on to like a lot of them would just become like TV actors. Like yeah. William Sanderson was in Deadwood. And he's amazing oh, in Deadwood. Man. And he's uh, he was in uh, the New Heart show, like a, did a bunch of stuff. He's awesome, but he's awesome in that. So you have Daryl Hannah, who was just about to break as a huge star, as one of the, uh, and she she ingratiates herself to him, Sebastian, and then they take Sebastian takes them to Terrell, right? And it, like, which a really dark, like it, it's like it's like Greek fucking myth. It's like you you have like the you know like the the. I don't know how you would even say it. Like, I don't know if the Greeks had a concept of like fake humans, but there's something about like, like Prometheus, like the fire, like the power to create. And here you have the guy who's literally like a god figure, and he's meeting his creation. Yeah. And the creation says, like, I, I mean, want, he is his god. Yeah, I want, I want something definition. for you. And when he realizes that he can't give it to him, he kills well, the person that creates it. It, it's it, just like it un- is. It is. It's. It's the tragic flaw. I mean, the Greek Greek myth, or you know, your, your Oedipus, or you, you guys, you they they have this like. Or your Achilles heel, or whatever. You have your weakness, and the the ones with the greatest weakness are the replicants. They're the ones their their lifespan is ticking out, and it's like we there's like a clear incept incept date or whatever the hell they call it. So it's like these are the guys that have the real problem. You know, they're like oh, we yeah. got to freaking extend our life. We got to go to the the source. Oh, you have to feel for and that's for, like yeah. for all of them. Yeah. Roy, there, well, there's that. So Brian James is the guy who played Leon, who I just looked up his name. He he at one point says. Do you know what if how does it feel to have an itch you can never scratch? Oh my gosh! So that that's such a fucking great line of like because that's exactly what's happening. These they're, they're literally 
they know that they're dying. They know they're going to die. Like, imagine if, if any of us knew. If any of us knew the date, it would fuck with everything. Yeah. yeah. You, you would just be – you would have, like – yeah, it would be so, so hard to so the movie, All bets are off. So yeah, the movie yeah. builds up to a conference. So I guess, are they in, they're in uh, Sebastian's apartment at the end? Um, I don't know. So, so they're in J.F. Sebastian's apartment. Okay. Yeah, so which, he kills Pris. Yeah. Uh, we haven't even fucking really got into like the whole, let's just, let's do like the plot real fast. And then like, okay. I want to go back and talk about the Sean Young character. Oh, and, dude. And, and whether or not. Uh, Deckard is a replicant. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. So, right. was, so like, so he kills Pris, and then it's a one-on-one battle with Roy Batty, right? Um, and and Roy just expires in like this beautiful scene in the rain where where Rucker Howard actually wrote that monologue. They couldn't figure out how to end he the movie. He wrote a couple lines because I, 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 I saw the thing now with David Peoples and like the beginning of it, the kind of like the shoulder of Orion. Or there was a couple of things that are like clearly a writer sat down and was like, let's come up with some space. Um, metaphors or facts, yeah. like I, you know, I saw destroyers exploding, you know, on the shoulder of something, and then like, but then like, um, he's like, I can feel the my memories disappearing like tears in the rain. You know, yeah. That line is from Rucker is yeah. for Rucker Howard, and that's the one that clinches the whole oh, yeah. monologue, and just like the remembers. the blue light and the rain. It's oh, like all dude. these things had to come together, and, and then this Harrison, is right after he saved. Harrison's, yeah, he he saves Harrison's fighting. life. It's, it's the opposite. Life. He saves his life. The guy who was supposed to kill him, he saves his life, and then that guy has to watch him die. Yes. Yes, it's I, the exact and, and, and what he's—I I mean, so to talk about what he's doing there at the end, I think he's trying to impart his experiences on the last living thing right next to him, so that he can live on in some sense. That's right. I think, think that's what—that's what, why what, what, he, Rucker, he saves him. Roy Batty is. I think that's why he saves him because he goes, "I know I'm about to die, literally right now." And I want a piece of me to live on. He, it, it's such a human desire. Yeah, right. the legacy, share. the desire for legacy. He wants it to live on in something, and he just picks. Huh. That's a great. I don't know. That is something that. That's a great idea. I didn't think of it that way, but it. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it just sense. seems like he he has such purpose with all. Like, well, because you know, at that point, all of it his doesn't make sense. Why he all of his friends are dead? Yeah. He's all alone anyway. So, like, the only thing he could hope for is that. The story about yes. him will, will live on. Some yes. piece of him. Yeah, and he, exactly. and he drops a whopper of a line. Right. To and then that. he dies like, in front to, of him. He's not of even a real care, person, and we're talking about him right now. But, that, but yeah. I think yeah, that's it's what... Like you try forgetting but that. But that's shit. what the movie is. So this, this actually, this is a good way to kind of rewind. That's a, Sorry, that's I, a I, macro, that's a microcosm of the entire film. Yeah, yeah. So, so then to go back to uh, when... So Harrison meets Sean Young's character. She doesn't realize that she's a replicant. So she's like he doesn't right. even he's not even sure of it, and, and then it takes a hundred questions. But he falls in love with her. Yeah, she's the be- maybe the greatest replicant because she doesn't even know it. Ever she's made. convinced yeah. that she's not a replicant. All her yeah, all there, her memories were there's implanted. Other, there's other things because it's like it, it's not clear. Here, this is this is what I love about the movie that somehow I, I don't know if I can credit Ridley Scott with this, but he left. This is what I said about minimalism. He left certain things unaddressed. Like huge, you could call them. They can't even be called plot holes. Like, 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 what's off world? Like, there's advertisements about get off world. Like, right. in in any other film, there would be some sort of thing where they pull back the curtain and like off world is a really trashy, like crummy place that has like bad music playing, or it's a really cool place. All the other films that have like a you know Garden of Eden, there's some. They paint it in somehow. Either it's worse than you thought or it's better than you thought. 
know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they like so they have these huge swaths of the story that are never even touched. Yeah. One of them being that, another one being um um what are the replicants? We have no like are they are they androids? Are they human? You don't know until bullets are blasting their blood around and even then you're like I think that's human blood. I don't think if they were robots, you would see like Terminator parts. Yeah. So he's leaving these massive, and then like like what they address in the Blade Runner twenty forty nine or, or whatever, where it's like, um, hear how these things are made because like now, uh, the worst, which and, is the worst. So, I, I I went to see that. <laughs> such disdain. I, I went to see the voice. the sequel, and the I worst. I was actively angry for the first hour of them, like actively. It's a like, tough. It was tough, man. It, 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 like I was happy to see Harrison Ford for like the last yeah. forty five minutes of it, and he, that's the best part of the movie but like yeah just sitting here now thinking about this like this story has the elements of myth when you think about like the really the stories that stick with us are the simplest stories. if you go back and read like cain and abel in the bible yeah. like it's like four lines in the bible right i know but it's, it's a story that hell. tells you so much about humanity and like man's inhumanity and what we're the evil that people are capable of this this movie all the stuff that's not explained and it's all the archetypical stuff. It's it's, it's the reason why we're able to go back and talk about it and assign meaning to it almost forty years later. Right. Whereas the over explaining and all the bullshit of the oh, of the, all the, the sequel exposition and just like like the fact that they so they just what they did with her is like they just left it unpainted and so it's like is she a Nexus Six? No one mentioned anything. All they talk about was Nexus Six. She took a hundred questions yeah. to, fit, to to pass the test, which has never happened before, and. There's something about having a brain implant. So there's all this stuff about her where you're like big question mark planted so that once we get to the end, we could buy a lot of different directions that the story could go and be like, yeah, we don't know when she's going to expire necessarily. Like she could die tomorrow or maybe she lasts another eight years. We don't know what she is. She's beyond Nexus 6. But without over explaining it, the fact that the movie left these holes in a way or like – um, sort of abstractions like in a minimalist way that your brain could fill in but not with the wrong thing is like it's a weird judo move it's yeah. very hard to so, do I forget where I heard this but somebody else said this like so uh, in in when you first see uh, Rachel and Terrell coming out down the hallway and Decker's waiting for them there is that like kind of like sparkle of light like it looks like it's like 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 light reflecting off water that was literally just in that moment the 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 uh, sequel that was like the entire visual motif of the sequel. It's like they're, right. like they're like we have to do something, and they just they took like a little moment Glitter and made it like hit you over the head with it. Like right. oh look look the work you know it's like instead of like really creating an original idea or like actually having something to say. Yeah, they're like oh we'll just steal this one little thing and as if the entire movie was about that or it, like or t- it took place during the, it literally only happens in that one moment of the movie right it was it's like not, an aberration it's not even, it's, so it's not even like the visual motif of the original blade runner no it was just a thing like when introducing her just adding yeah it, it could have been an accident for but all i know. so again like, and i think that's why like the, the all the mystery surrounding how the movie got made why it ended up the way it did all this stuff it's like that's that's the reason like somebody said like uh one time it's like the reason why there's all these conspiracy theories around stanley kubrick Mm -hmm. is because he's exactly the kind of person you would have conspiracy like there's no conspiracy theories around about steven spielberg because he's like around and he's in the culture and he's there's nothing mysterious about it kubrick is a recluse he seems like a guy who has conspiracy this movie is like like there's the mystery and, and the inconclusiveness 
and the ambiguity is the reason why 40 years later we're still talking about this movie and we'll, we'll still be talking about it. And, and I it's already, the reason why they re-released it th- three times. Yeah. What other film <laughs> nah. has been released three times? They, they recut it once and then he was like, no, the public – the first time it bombed. Okay, How many movies did not make their budget back on release were like box office just failure? And then they were like 10 years later – I think the public's ready to see this again yeah uh, and, and it's funny because it's a lot a lot of like younger people they've seen the stuff that this movie influenced first yeah so then they, they can't yeah, necessarily yeah. like see I, I saw the it. matrix like yeah, 15 well, years well, ago akira which we did yeah. here yeah, was yeah, heavily akira. influenced by this movie so much so, yeah, the whole anime so it's hard to like it's stuff. hard to know like how groundbreaking it this was oh, when I, I now mean, everything <laughs> I, I say this like if you drive across the the Kosciuszko Bridge in Brooklyn, it looks like it's Blade Runner. Like that <laughs> that that aesthetic has become what the the, the real aesthetic of 2019. They did get that right. Well, but I deteriorating I, deteriorating infrastructure. Oh, uh, true. Plus, <laughs> plus neon, plus, no, neon. <laughs> plus new shit with neon. It's yes. basically what 2019's architecture looks like. Um, but yeah, the, the, I have a huge crush on Sean Young. She was in a movie called No Way Out a couple years after this, where she shows her tits in an unbelievable scene. That Woo! I mean, being a kid, I was like, my jaw hit the ground. Like she I takes, don't think I've seen she's that. wearing a fur coat. She takes a fur coat off, and she has nothing on Can underneath. We pull it. up the scene. It's, it's what she's is it? No Way Out. What? No Way Out. It's actually a Kevin Costner, an early Kevin Costner film. Huh. Uh, it's like a like a DC like espionage kind of stuff. And she's in that movie, and I fucking had a crush on her since then. She is certifiably nuts, Sean Young. Oh, really? Like, well, she was. Um, she wanted to be Catwoman, I believe. Okay. In Batman Returns. Okay. And she pestered Tim Burton to the point where she showed up in the Catwoman suit, being like, "See, I'm Cat." Like, like wow. she's like notoriously like has some real issues, but I think she's like back. Like she's. Um, like wor- she seems like she's been working. I so. hope so. But she was one it's, of those like eighties. <laughs> it's literally on X Hamster. Well, it's not. It's just. It's, it's just a, a second of her just being naked. It's four. There's a four minute. Clip well, there's a on whole a porn scene. Site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like a love series. scene. This afterwards. is a popular search. That's oh, wait. Are you, are you denigrating X Hamster? I'm not the I only have one. A little bit for movies. I've never seen. <laughs> no, that. I, I I've literally I've, never seen that. I'm not denigrating. I, I mean, I I, I, I'm not defending it. You know why I'm not denigrating? It was a joke because I don't know what that word. But I believe when she did this movie, she had been a. She was a model with very little. Acting is. I think she's in Stripes. She's Swash one of the, the, okay. the hot chicks in Stripes. Wait, hold but on. she had very little. Oh, it's an oh ad. Oh my god, this ad is a. That's the best. Ad. Hold on. Who is that? What's her name? Some ad. I don't care. Probably. All right. Yeah, that's the scene. Oh shit. She's got very. A... She's got very eighties hair, but oh, no, she looks great. But a little overhyped, I would say. <laughs> By me? Just yeah, now? Yeah, she looks like, great. I don't know. I was a kid. It was on I TV. I love how fast it was, too. It yeah, was, it's, it's, like stayed, it stayed with me all these years. I'm just a dead inside. Yeah, uh, I didn't have, we didn't year have year this. <laughs> we didn't have, like, oh, let's look up, what, see if it's on X Hamster right now. Yeah, yeah that, whatever you want. I had to, like, I had to go into the TV guide and see when the next time No Way Out was going to be on. I yeah. remember a piece of that when I was, like, 12. Yeah, like, it, was, you know, it was. By the time I was, like, 14. Great times. Great times. But, yeah, so, like, I love her in this movie. I love that character is she is fantastic when she's like back at his apartment and he's like sad and she's just like takes her hair down and she's like it, it, it's so like there's a little bit it, it's funny because the, the movie it's a Vangelis did the score it was it's like a big killer like, score. Uh, like electronic score but then there's all this, all this like really jazzy 
like bluesy saxophone. It, it, yeah, it has a. I mean, it did it, sort of again. It, it, it and then the movie ends with like a these old uh, you know detect, hard boiled yeah, detective. The movie stories. ends with yeah. like a really like like intense like like electronic right like it just yeah, like, it's kind a, of gets like real like up, uplifting like chariots of fire. But something. like it's from a, a very different movie, even even the like the cool ending, the yeah. real ending with, with, that doesn't have the not the happy ending. I'm saying like when the the door the, the final cut like the door shut yeah, of the yeah. elevator, you still get that like do like the heavy beat like yeah. 80s. Oh yeah. Like, but um, that drives the film. Actually, I didn't th- realize it as much um, until I was rewatching. It. I was thinking about Vangelis and just like it, something has to tie this world together because it is so unnatural. So mm-hmm. I mean, now it's like, well, we've seen it in, in all these other um, things that it, that were inspired by it. But right. at the time, it was like it did. It did, it was a right. I think it was a right move. He had like a, if you had a classical score or something. I don't to me. It, it, it wouldn't have. Oh, it doesn't fit at all. Together. Yeah. Oh no. Um, yeah, it's and huge. There's something about the, all the female characters in this movie that they're like. At first glance, you're like, these are not painted out. They're not fleshed out, um, <laughs> um, literally, or character wise. Yeah. And then they're your classic skin jobs. They're, they're your classic <laughs> skin jobs. Uh, they're replicants. S word. Come on. And then, but then, then you're like, wait a second. There, they are all skin jobs like they they are all replicants not a single one of them so i'm like well the characters were not supposed to be fully three-dimensional humans yeah they're i mean it it gives you a a bit of a uh you know whatever an escape valve because you're just like well they're they don't have really have to have it's it's a genre film so it's it's yeah so like i'm i'm pissed at really scott for this every harrison ford's everybody's pissed at really Really, Scott years ago did an interview and he said, "Of course, Deckard is a replicant." And I'm like, "You piece of shit! Like, you don't like nah, he, he, yeah. I don't like because the movie is well. Why the, you you don't like it because he because he, he it, cru- it like ruins the M. No, it's only I don't because because yes because that's it's, why you don't like yeah that he it's said because that. it's a silly thing. Let the to, movie to stay. Do. You're yeah. saying he he should just let because in the ponder. end of the day, the movie is about how the replicants are more humane and human than more Deckard. human than human. Yeah. Anyway, oh yeah. So why even like you? fucking idiot like why well, do you, what do you mean why does that make him an idiot because I, it's just like he just responded to a question so he should have not said it I did, you're, you're saying he me, has a responsibility it depends it depends on what what year he said that because if it's before the final cut came out then then it's like dude why are you, whatever he's maybe he's trying to make can create hype so that they'll let him it definitely you know, work recut it yeah. but if it's after that then it's like well let people watch the damn movie because like it, it, yeah he's so much better off saying well Watch it and see if, if if you think he's a replicant or not. Then you at least have something to evaluate because yeah, so, that's what the movie becomes about. Um, well, it's, I mean, it, it speaks to how like textured and layered this movie is that we like we've glossed over like a major plot point and character. So there's the character of Gaff, who's another I right. guess Blade Runner, and he makes these origami animals. Yes. yes. And so uh, Deckard has a dream of a unicorn, which yes. is totally out of place. Which it's is just not in the first hilariously yeah. cut in, and I think that they it, it, it's supposed to be. Like, and so, I can't and it was the second to last thing they shot. Like, and at the yeah. end, Gaff makes an origami unicorn. So right. that's the clue that that he must know that this it memory ties, was implanted it, into yeah, Deckard. It ties together that you're, you have to, you have to add two and two together. No one says. No. Like I read that the um that or maybe I heard that Hampton Fancher he had written a version of the script actually where um where Deckard it ends with Deckard playing piano okay and um I I think uh I think she dies I think I think that um uh uh, uh pr- not Pris uh, Rachel yeah. dies and he's playing the piano and his hand cramps up 
Oh, the way that Rucker Howers does at the end oh. when he's like doing this yeah, and he's yeah, like trembling, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's like his hand cramps up and then it like fades to black. Interesting. And it's like it's another way of saying yes, he's a replicant and he's dead. I love an ah. ambiguous ending. Which is, I love I love when the directors don't explain. Or, yeah, stuff or, or is he dead? It's just like it, it leaves yeah. it open where you're just like, well, what's going to happen? It's like the ending of Inception. Like I don't ever want fucking Christopher Nolan to come out and say, yes, he's still in a dream. It's like it, it's like that. The whole point of the art is to have to let the person have their individual experience. Okay, but what? Yeah, but that's art. not what Hollywood blockbusters are about. They, they're all, yeah, sure. of course, the, the guys who 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 came in and doctored this movie and th- oh, and yeah. threw the, the the kind of the car scene in the end and the sunshine in a world that never existed throughout the entire movie, which is just but outrageous. The, but the Tension between the money guys and the artists is where is where the is art, what made this movie even it, happen. But it's what makes it's what made The Godfather happen. It's what made sure. a lot of movies happen. So, and I like Hollywood movies. It's just a matter of of like, does anybody? This is the, one of the things that just fascinates me about how a movie ends up because so many different hands are touching it. You know, the, the thing and like, yeah. does it stay to the vision? And then when it finally gets cranked out, it's like, is anybody asking the question of like? What does this movie require for it to be the best version of itself in the bigger picture? Like, it just feels like there's that old saying. I think it's William Goldman is like, yeah, nobody knows, nobody anything. knows anything, or nobody knows nothing, or whatever the hell it is. But like, nobody, nobody, nobody knows. Yeah, some people make money, some people don't, and then the guys that made money yesterday blow it all in the next day. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's like, uh, how do you become a millionaire making movies in Hollywood? You start out with a billion dollars. It's this. It's like they don't freaking know, but like the whole, uh, the fact that this movie was resilient enough that people cared enough about it and about this. This is to me what makes Blade Runner like comedy and and, and all the things I love about comedy, because comedy you write a joke the first time you do it you're like wow that was amazing it was virgin telling if it was a good joke right and then you're like okay maybe I have to work on this joke. And it's going to take some edits. And that's what this movie required. It required multiple <laughs> edits. Yeah. Right? And but the first thing, maybe some people were like, that has potential. You know, like if you have a good premise and a joke, but like you don't execute it right, some comics will, will hear it and be like, dude. Oh, yeah. Most comics will hear it. Yeah. Premise, yeah. but it needs work. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And I feel like this movie, although it's not a, it has nothing to do with comedy in terms of laughter, it's like that in terms of the process of like sometimes like an amazing bit that when you see it the last whatever you hear the, the final telling no one you people have no idea that like the original references are like six years old oh You've yeah been revising and writing yeah. and cutting and it's getting shorter and shorter or whatever I know this yeah. movie's not getting shorter but like it's it's getting pared down to its essentials and sometimes you're tweaking one word or one thing and the whole meaning flips yeah right and this movie was created it's just enough space in the movie. Right, mm-hmm. like there's just enough room in it where if you change, for one, you could tell that that Ridley was toying with this idea and he'd gotten it in his head. And he's like, if I could just shoot these things, then I'll have the option. And then he, they pulled the rug out from under him and he couldn't like insert, yeah, you know, the the, the unicorn scene and whatever. But right. like he he had gone so far as to cover his ass, yeah, you know, yeah, and like with like, but if it was comedy, it would be like, yeah, you got it. And now you have the joke. You don't have to wait twenty years mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. to, to like. I mean, but but, the, but that's one of the beauty. Like no, I, no, the I, beauty I, that they, the fact that they did it. They came back and they were like, "No, people care about this film. Let's get it right." Mm-hmm. I mean, that, as a perfectionist who's not trying to be a perfectionist, I 
is a special place in my heart. Yeah. No, that's and that's a good segue into the our our other lives. For, if there's anything you want to plug, oh, like, yeah. we met you. I, I met you at comedy shows. So I know you produce a show. That you- I do. Um, I have a show called uh, called Dope, and you can find it at dopecomedyshow.com. Um, you can also go to dopecomedy.show, but I'm not going to pay to renew that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I own it, and uh, you can check that out for the next year. Where uh, Where is it at? Where do you guys do it? So I, there's a weekly version of it that's in Washington Heights, Inwood, on mm-hmm. Saturday nights at 10 p.m. at the Parkview. I've been doing it for five and a half years is now. Is that where nice. the Parkview is? I've seen the name Parkview, but I had no idea where it was. There's another place called the Parkside, which is a oh, okay, great yeah, yeah. venue that is much more advertised because they have lots of uh, comedy, uh, different shows are there. Mm-hmm. The Parkview does not have any, any other comedy there, and there's not much comedy in uh, on 200th Street, Dykeman, <laughs> yeah. um, which is why the show, I think, has grown and lasted. That's great, man, yeah. Um, and then uh, we do other various pop-up shows. We have a show at, at a tattoo parlor uh, called Red Baron Inc. Oh, cool. And so it's like dope RBI. Uh, that show is like roughly every month, and we give away um, tattoo uh, gift cards to, to yeah. people. If the it's like a ten dollar ticket, you can win a hundred bucks off a tattoo or piercing uh, that you could give to somebody else who yeah, will that's actually pretty cool. Use it. So anyway, yeah, that's that's like that's that stuff, and yeah, I do stand up, and I love it. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, no, this is like we we did it, man. I think we really did we, we, we wait, no, they, we did Blade Runner. Like I think this we, was a deep dive into Blade, and and Blade and Runner I think it speaks sure. to the movie is that again, almost forty years later, you can you can spend as much time talking about the movie and then go back and watch it again and then have a whole. We could have you know we could have had a whole other hour conversation, dude. To, not to, even to hitting on fair, things we we talked about. To be fair, I have watched Sea Beams Glitter. In the dark of the Tannhauser Gate. Woo! That's a beautiful. Just line. saying. Um, I think we've done a man's job. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's it's literally it's poetry. The thing, it's a work of art. It's a movie that you could enjoy yeah. on many different levels. But you can watch this so many times. It's, and it's, a, it's a work how of long art. have we talked about this? Just out of curiosity, an hour and twelve minutes, dude. So I feel like we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And, and so that's that's what this movie affords. It's just it's you just if you're going into this, I hope any, if anyone hasn't seen it. Mm. Just give it time. The first hour, just relax. Oh just yeah, let it build because it's gonna be slow. Yeah, it's just you're stuck with your thoughts a little bit. I, I feel that's like. important. Yeah. There's action, but it's like the to me the weirdest thing. This is the weirdest thing about it. Like, can you put brought this up in the very beginning? Why didn't he just go to his apartment <laughs> and take a long nap and, and, wait, and let, wait it out and let these things die? Because like yeah. they're all having lives. I mean, the the cop, the the the, the sergeant was like. Or somewhere they said, like, they just killed 23 people in an off-world colony, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they don't seem to be doing that now. They're literally just trying to extend their lives. Like, they do do kill um, Tyrell. But it's like they're – he's almost almost irrelevant to their lives in this major way except that Deckard needs to learn something about being a human from – Roy Batty. Well, well, it's also like this is a can of worms. I don't like. It's a very small story in this big world. It's so it, small the, that what these actions don't seem to be affecting anything no. else in the world. Yeah, no. there's no there's no civilians being like, oh shit, did you hear what the replicants did? It's like nothing. It's literally this little tiny that could like could have taken place in a couple of rooms with a couple of characters. Yeah, but again, like this is why like one of the mysteries of this this story is that we could go back to it over and over again. Uh, but we for tonight, I think we did it. Yeah, Alex, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, you know, right now I'm just 
uh, kicking it for the holidays. I got no, nothing to plug. Yeah, I'm plugging uh, my sister's house on the 24th. Yeah. We're doing dinner for her birthday. Nice. Shout out to Joanne. I, mean, I think it's a pretty down. Well, she Joanne was born on Christmas Eve. Yeah, Man. she hates it. But uh, I think it's rough. great. I love it's opening rough. presents. Um, <laughs> no, I, I have a bunch of stuff coming up in the new year, which I'm excited about. Oh, um, but like in the next two weeks, it's going to be pretty low key. So. Yeah, yeah. My birthday's January 9th. So oh, nice. if you guys want to, I don't know. Should we, you should have a party. Should yeah. I have a party? I'll have a do Maybe it, I'll dude. go to do it at a bar or something. Yeah, well, that's how or that, a comedy that, that happens like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my birthday is yeah. the twenty seventh. Um, I'm not thinking about a party yet, but January, no, or December, like, January. Oh, cool, man. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, May 2020 will be uh, Peter Palooza 2020. Mark your calendars. Oh, that nice. Oh, is that your birthday? Yes. Yeah, oh, my... that was a great birthday. Yeah. I forgot we did a barbecue and everything. You can't wait for. Yeah, Peter Palooza, twenty twenty. That that's fun. that's a long that's a long ways away. It is, but um, you're gonna be forty one. Jesus Christ! Oh, I have I have one thing I just remembered. Um, it hasn't it hasn't come out yet. I've been recording it. I have this. I have a. Oh. I do have a podcast. Hey. Uh, it's not about movies. Uh, it's called How to Be a Dope Friend. And um, <laughs> you like that word? <laughs> I do. Uh, I mean, I do too. It used to be called How to Be a Good Friend, and then you Google that once, and it's all. Christian missionaries. Ah. Uh, good friend is like it been co-opted by um religious groups, which is fine. It's just like I can't, you know, no one owns dope friend. That's your brand. Nice. It, it is now. Um I'm uh yeah, it's just about friendship. It's a podcast about oh, uh, how nice friendship. Nice. Cool. It's refreshing. All right. Well thank I you, so. uh Kevin. Thanks for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for and, having uh, me. Finally we get to do one of the one of the big dogs, Blade Runner. Yeah. Excited. Do we even know what Blade Runner means? Because I, I never looked it, it up. It came from a William Burroughs novel and it meant it really mean it was just a cool phrase that he heard. Yeah. I think that Hamp- Hampton Fancher was like, Oh, let me call them Blade Runners. I can't And again, the fact that it doesn't really have a good explanation is in in keeping with everything else with this movie. And yet it fits perfectly. Yeah. Like like the the the, the lines, the dots not being connected, you just make the connection that like yeah, he's got to run blades over these replicants <laughs> or something. There's not there's not one blade in the entire movie no. that I think about it. But all right, guys. It makes sense. Yeah. We did it. We're uh this is uh, is this going to be our last episode for I think 2019? This is, uh, you know, a, a happy holidays, Merry Christmas yeah. from Kill You Last. Uh, do we do? I mean, maybe we'll do another one. We'll Who see knows? how it goes. You Either know, way, 2019. We're feeling saucy. It's been a hell of a year. Yeah. yeah, it's weird that no one had to kill anyone last. They just had to, I guess, kill themselves. Roy Batty died last. <laughs> he <laughs> shut down. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. It's when the- you're a cyborg, what are you going to do? All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Peace. All right.